hand it over to him. Thank you so much, Brother Matt. And good morning, Radiant Springs Church. Somebody please give it up for Jesus. Somebody make some noise for Jesus. You know what? You know what? That was pretty good. But not quite good enough. I know the people of the great state of Nebraska. Listen, when that team, what is it called? The Corn Huskers are getting ready to win the national championships. Dream on. Oh, oh, okay, okay. Don't dream on. I'm not here to offend anybody. I do miss the days of Tom Osborne. I'll be honest, though. But I'm not here to offend anybody. Imagine. Imagine with me that the uh, days of Tom Osborne are back. Imagine with me we're getting ready to win the championships. Imagine with me the scores are tied. Imagine with me it's the last few seconds of the game. Imagine with me that in the last few seconds of the game, one of our fellows gets an ugly pigskin ball, deflated or inflated. I'm not going there. You know what I'm talking about. And in the last few seconds, he tosses the ball to the other guy. The other guy grabs it, runs across the, the line and scores the winning TD. And everybody in Crete goes, good job. Is that what you would do? Talk to me. Is that really what you would do? Listen, I've got five better reasons to shout. Jesus saved me, washed me, filled me with the Holy Spirit, wrote my name in the Lamb Book of Life, and he's coming back for me. That's five good reasons to clap your hands. All these people, with the voice of triumph, now somebody shout hallelujah. Now somebody shout praise the Lord. That, my friend, is so much better. Wow, what a joy to see you. Yeah, let's blow this roof off and we'll have Pastor Brent fix it. Wouldn't that be nice? Well, he is not here, so I can talk about him. Oh, I better be careful. His parents are here all the way from South Dakota. Oh, my goodness. Talking about Pastor Brent and Amy, I tell you, and the leadership of this wonderful church in Pastor Brent and Amy, you have one of the finest pastors in the Nebraska District Council of the Assemblies of God. Come on. I'm not kidding you. A couple who loves God, who loves people, who loves souls, who loves missions, who loves the word. And I don't know about you, but I do love and appreciate people like that. A big round of applause for our Pastor Brent and Amy. Come on, everybody. That's right. Amen. And but first things first, as you can see, how, how many of you don't know me? Let me see your hands. I want to introduce myself. Wow, quite a lot of you. So for the benefit of these so many people, Laurie, look, I have to introduce myself. My name is Solomon Wang, pronounced as Wong. I'm not kidding you. It's W-A-N-G, absolutely true, pronounced as W-O-N-G. And if you say Wang... That really would be Wong. All right. (laughs) I know it's cheesy, but you can go ahead and laugh. It's absolutely true. My father is from Shanghai, China. Not that you can tell. I know, I know, I know. I'm a spitting image of Jackie Chan. I know that. I realize that. I do realize my movements have a lot of swagger like Bruce Lee. I I do realize that. But you see... uh, It's like this. My father is from China. My mother is from this land called Bhutan. I'll come back to that in just a minute. 
I was born and raised in Calcutta, India, raised by missionaries Mark and Hulda Bantain. Some of you may have heard of that name. My wife was born and raised in this place that you'd never guess in a zillion years, Kearney, Nebraska. Go Big Red! She was bred, born, buttered in Nebraska. And uh, here she is. Would you please stand, Lori? Here's my beautiful wife. Please welcome my wonderful wife, Lori. So my father's from China, my mother's from Bhutan, I was born in India, my wife is from Nebraska, her father has Irish, Scottish, British descent. I'm not kidding, it's true. Her mother has Norwegian, Hungarian, Scandinavian descent, and you should see my three children. They're a Heinz 57, toss fruit salad, mini United Nations. Please take a look at my three children. There they are, okay? This one is Julia Marie and she married Ryan Blake. They live in Skokie, Illinois. Ryan's next to me on my right. This young lady, Jessica Michelle, she married Sean Swanson. And uh, he's from North Dakota, by the way. And they had a destination wedding last year, 2-22-22. People ask me, what is a destination wedding? Well, duh. A destination wedding is a wedding where your money has a destination. Bye-bye. Okay. It's as simple as that. And... Uh, but this guy here, my son, Jonathan Michael Wong, he's 28 years old, he's single, he's saved, and he's available. All right? If you know anybody who has a billion dollars in the bank, 100 Rolls Royces, 250 Mercedes Benz, come see me. I'd love to introduce you to my son. Laurie, don't you dare tell him that. I'd be in big trouble. But all that to say this, sometimes Solomon Wong gets into trouble with his wife, as we men do. Now, guys... Be honest with me. You're in God's house. Be very honest with me. How many of you men get into trouble with your wife now and then, especially with the honey-do list? Let me see your hands. Thank you, all honest three of you. Four of you. All right. Five of you. Yeah. Thank you. Six of you. And in those moments, sir, when I get into trouble with my gorgeous wife, my beautiful wife says, Solomon Wong, you married the white woman and I married the Wong man. So this morning, you have the Wong speaker. Is that all right? You have the Wong preacher. Is that all right? We do have a Mrs. Wright here. Where are you, Mrs. Wright? I met you a little while ago. Mrs. Wright, where are you? There you are. You may be Mrs. Wright, but I'm still the Wong man. Exactly. And two Wongs still don't make a white. Anyway, enough of all that. That's the large version of my family. Here's the we version of my family. There you go. Amen. That's the we version of my family. It's a joy to see uh, the Matt family and the Denise family and Chris back there. All my old familiar friends, Theo. And it's a, what a surprise today. In church, walking in are some of my most precious friends, Arlo and Anita Pinkerman, all the way from Stromsburg, Nebraska, Arlo and Anita, would you please stand? Look at these wonderful people. Amazing couple. Wow. You cannot get finer people like that. I'm telling you, he was an, uh, our deacon and board member and all that stuff. And this another couple, Jim and Marta Papik, they're attorneys who are retired, moved from Stromsburg. They just moved to Crete. You want to make them feel welcome. And you want to make them join your church. Honestly, it'll be a tremendous asset. Jim and Marta, would you please stand? Amazing, amazing couple. Yeah. Jim Papik's father was the coach at Don's College. Am I right? 
Jones College, and he, he passed away, I think, a year or two ago. And uh, we went for the memorial service. It was a beautiful, beautiful service. service. Saw Coach Tom Osborne there and several other dignitaries. Wow, what a joy to see all of you here. Now let's get right into the Word of God. Thank you again for your kindness and hospitality. Deeply appreciate all of you. And it's so good to see so many familiar faces. So wonderful to see all of you. But generally, the, right now, my wife and I are a little struggling a little bit because guess what? We were in Bangkok, Thailand about 48 hours ago. And we had to get up and be at the airport, leave for the airport at 3 a.m. All right, because Suvarnabhumi Airport is one of those very crowded places and you have to go early to get into line, all that stuff. And guess what? When we're getting ready to check in and, uh, at the hotel, guess what we found out? United Airlines canceled our flight from Tokyo to Denver. So guess what? We had to stay back in Bangkok for another day and then started all over again, but this time Bangkok to Tokyo and then changing to Anna, all Nippon Airlines, from Anna, from there to all the way to Chicago, and then again another nice layover, and then late last night around 11.30, 11.45, we flew into Lincoln, Nebraska. So I don't know which time zone my body is in right now, but I am in the right place. Yes, there's a, it's, your faces are radiant with the glory of God and there's springs of living water. I don't know if you catch that or not. Radiant springs of living water. Anyway, but the last requests, the last words of any person, especially on the deathbed, is generally, you know, accepted by the loved ones. And people will do generally anything, their utmost to fulfill that last request. For example, Mumtaz Mahal is reported to have asked her husband, the Emperor Shah Jahan of India, on her deathbed. She told her husband, build over me a tomb that has no equal in the world. And as a result, the legendary Taj Mahal. Yeah, I don't know if you've seen it. The next picture, please. There, white marble took, I mean, 20,000 workers and it is one of the masterpieces, one of the seven wonders of the world. Lorraine, I've had, I've had the privilege of being there. Anybody seen the Taj Mahal? Absolutely gorgeous. You've got to see this. But the last requests of Jesus, one of Jesus' last words were, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. You ask any Christian about the biblical basis for missions, and Matt referred to that, a missional church, most of them will point to the fact that Jesus commanded, go and make disciples of all nations. These famous last words from Matthew chapter 28 comprise of what you and I call the Great Commission. Now, Laurie and I take this very, very seriously. To us, it's more than just missions. It's more than just a career. It's more than just a choice. It's more than just going overseas. To us, it is our mandate. I believe it is our duty to go to all people's groups at all times, at all places, using all possible means possible. So our journey, Lori and I, started on July 13th, 1985. We just completed our 38th year of uh, marriage. Uh-huh, Lori, was it a 38 years? Yeah. And uh, when we got married, and one month later, within July 
in August of 1985, we were in the mission field. And God continues to open incredible doors. And so, what is the basis of that? It's like this. How shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? How can they believe in whom they've never heard? How can they hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? And so, thank you, Radiant Springs Church, for sending us over the years. You see, what I'm saying to you is not a picture of a rhetorical skill. This is a picture of God's redemptive plan for taking the gospel and making it known to all believers. You see, what happens is this. Jesus sends his followers. His followers preach. And his followers preach the word of God. And they share the message of the good news. And do what? They see that lives are changed. In other words, it's your responsibility and mine. It's our privilege, it's our obligation, it's our duty, it's our opportunity of every follower of Christ to share the good news. This is a cause, ladies and gentlemen, worth living for. It's a cause worth dying for. It's a cause for which we've been saved. And it's the cause for which we are still here on the planet. And so today, I want you, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Matthew, chapter number 28, and looking at verse number 18 to 20. If you don't have it, next slide please, Chris. If you don't have it, uh, it's there in the overhead. This book that you hold in your hand called the Bible, please understand something. That book does not contain the word of God. It is the word of God. It's the infallible, inerrant, inspired, immutable word of the living God, which Pastor Brent challenges you every week with, which I present before you right now. It says this, And Jesus came and said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given unto me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the ends of the earth. When you look at this passage very closely, we see Jesus using the same word four different times. The word all. And in this one, one Sunday here on Mission Sunday in Radiant Spring Church, I would like you to consider the four alls of Christ's commission. I don't know, I've read this a million times, Arlo, but I've never seen it four times in this passage. I mean, I would like you to consider with me number one. We go with the authority of Christ all authority has been given unto him. In other words, he spoke, he is omniscient, he is all-knowing, he is omnipresent, he is all-present, he is omnipotent, he is all-powerful, he is all in all, but he has authority because he has the power. What kind of authority? He speaks with authority, he teaches with authority, he heals with authority, he forgives sins with authority, he executes judgment with authority, he grants salvation with authority, and he casts out demons <coughs> Excuse me, with authority. In other words, he gives you and me also that same authority. Do you know something, church, Radiant Springs Church, whether you believe it or not, whether you like it or not, whether you accept it or not, he gives us authority. We have the authority to cast out demons. Yes, you do. You have the authority to cast out demons. The Bible says, and he called the twelve together and he gave them power to over the demons and the power to heal all diseases in Luke chapter number 9, verse number 1. You know, Laurie and I have had the privilege in our 38 years of ministry going all over the place. 
We were 18 years in Calcutta, India. Then we were four years in Ukraine, in Crimea even, in Kiev, until that guy Putin started his tricks there, and we had to leave Crimea. And then after that, we went to Bhutan for eight years. Very restricted, very sensitive, and very close country. In fact, we were the only missionaries in the Assemblies of God to have actual residency in Bhutan. How we survived there, Martin, Jim, I would never know. Eight years, huh, Lori? Thank you so much. Thank you. We lived there for eight years and it was an incredible, incredible experience. I don't know why, Mr. Braunberger Sr., we get assigned to all these difficult places. Kiev, Ukraine, Calcutta, India, you know, Bhutan. I wish we would get assigned to a place like Honolulu, Hawaii. I want to suffer for Jesus under the coconut palm trees. It's not happening. I don't know why. But I'll never forget when we were in Kiev, Ukraine, Lori and I were the president of ETS, Evangel Theological Seminary in Kiev, Ukraine. And was that Lori? No, yeah, just leave it there. Thank you. And Lori and I were uh, given an invitation to come and speak there in one of the big seminars and pastoral conferences. I was going to preach to the pastors and she was going to talk to the ladies in ministry and also the children of the gypsies. And I will never forget that as long as I live. Oh my goodness, it was something else. That, that week, um, I, I approached my, uh, my academic dean, Swedlana Susko. I said, ma'am, you're a terrific interpreter. You and Lori, you know, lady to lady would make a good team. Why don't you come with us? So she said, okay. And the three of us flew from Kiev, Ukraine to Mukachewa. Mukachewa was a very interesting place. Lori, would you describe that place? Uh, it's in the Carpathian Mountains, which is, I don't know if you, any of you know anything about Dracula, but that whole, all the Dracula stories, the dark things come from the Romanian side of the Carpathian Mountains. We were just over the other side. In th the, uh, so it was really dark, almost demonic area. Creepy, yeah. And they believe in vampires and all that stuff. It arises on that area. So we were preaching in that area, and I'll never forget that, that first service. That place was packed to capacity. I mean, the, the, the pastors were there, the pastors, deacons, elders, presbyters, sectional presbyters, Regional presbyters, executive presbyters, archbishops, bishops, all kinds of places that they brought their family. That place was packed to capacity. And I'll never forget, I gave an altar call. And as we gave an altar call, people were coming to the front. I could see from the corner of my eye an 18-year-old girl coming to my right-hand side. And as she came with her father on her right-hand side, it was amazing. As she came forward, maybe 40 yards from where I was standing on the platform, bang, the Spirit of God hit her and she fell. Flat on her face, on the floor. Now, sometimes those things do, do happen in our services. But you can ask these people who were in, in my Milford Assembly of God Church. In my services, there are no theatrics, there's no gimmicks, there's no sensationalism. If you choose to believe that, that's fine. In other words, in my services, there are no catchers, there are no pushers. There are no pullers. Nobody's going to do poo, bam, boom at you, you know. I mean, if you fall and you break your neck, you're on your own. All right? Don't you dare sue me, all right? Uh, and boom, she fell. Nobody touched. She fell flat on her face. So I thought, okay, good. She's having a wonderful encounter with God. That was amazing. And I kept with the altar call for a little while and about... 10, 15 minutes later, I turned the microphone back to the pastor and I went to study and began to drink water and started guzzling water. It was very hot. I turned the fan on full speed and I was trying to cool down. 
Very soon I hear a knock on the door. Svetlana, Dr. Wong? I said, yes, Svetlana, calling you. I said, who? The pastors, deacons, elders, bishops, presbyters, sectional presbyters, regional presbyters, executive presbyters, bishops, archbishops. I said, for what? To pray. I said, you tell the pastors, deacons, elders, bishops, presbyters, sectional presbyters, regional presbyters, bishops, bishops. I said, you let them pray because God doesn't need an interpreter. He knows Ukrainian and Russian better than I do. So let, let them pray. She said, okay, and she left. Ten minutes later again. <laughs> Dr. Wong? I said, yes, Svetlana, calling you. I said, for what? To pray. I said, I told you, tell the pastors, deacons, elders, bishops, presbyters, executive presbyters, bishops, archbishops. I said, let them pray. She said, no, 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 no. It's not them, sir. This time it's your wife who's calling you. Hello. Now when my wife calls, I obey. When my wife says jump, I ask, how high? Because I may be the head of this house. She's the neck that turns it. Amen. So when I, when my wife calls, hey, I obey. So I went there back to the, the sanctuary and there was Lori praying with this girl. Six men were holding her down. That girl had been dabbling with the occult and witchcraft and Ouija boards and all those things. And she was being demonized. It was the most grotesque sight I've ever seen in my life. Her hair was disheveled. Her eyes were glazed. Things were coming up her mouth. She was hissing, fighting, kicking, biting her lorry. She was slithering over the floor. It was amazing. Every time Lori cast a demon out of her, she began to scream more and scream. Oh, started howling and everything. Like six men were holding down. And I stood and watched a little while. And Lori needed help. So I finally I stepped in. I said, young lady, say Jesus. Young lady, say Jesus. And I'm telling you, church, a horrible, deep, guttural voice within her said, I don't like Jesus. Jesus is a liar. I said, you're a liar, Satan. You've come to steal and to kill and to destroy. My Jesus has come to give life and give it more abundantly. I rebuke you. I bind your paws. Get out of this girl in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Every time a demon left, she screamed even more. She fought more. Two more men joined her. Now eight men are holding this tiny little girl. I mean, it was incredible. And I was getting impatient. Finally, I said, all right, tell me. What is your name? What is your name? And that horrible, deep, guttural voice within us said, My name is Legion. Have you heard that name somewhere? Legion, Legion. I'm like, where are the pigs when you need them? Huh? Hello? Where are the pigs when you need them? You know, you know that story. But the, obviously there were no pigs around. But I heard some stray dogs barking outside. Bow, 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 bow. And Laurie goes, please don't cast the demons into the doggies. I love doggies. I'm like, okay, okay, I get it. I won't do it. And finally I had it up to my neck. I said, all right, how many of you left? How many of you left? And that horrible, deep, guttural voice said, we are three. I said, all three of you. I bind your paws in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Get out of this girl and stay out and stay put. Sitting in this beautiful church, whether you believe it or not, whether you like it or not, whether you accept it or not. You know what? Jesus set her completely free. Because you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. If the Son therefore shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. Come on, don't just sit there. Give the Lord a mighty praise. Yes. She accepted Jesus Christ as a savior.
And I'll never forget, we were walking back to the foyer. She was standing next to me, her father, the pastor on my right hand side, and Laurie and Swedana were chit chatting at the back and coming. I said, Young lady, you know what? God's in a tremendous work of grace in your life. You need to read the Bible. You need to pray. You need to grow spiritually. Maybe, do you have a Bible? She couldn't understand a word I was saying. I'm like, wait a minute. Young lady, just a few minutes ago, she was talking very clearly. My name is Legion. We are three. Mm, I don't like, I'm like, wait a minute. I said, hello. I'm not trying to argue with you. Do you go to a church? If you don't have a church, you can go to this one maybe. Again, she couldn't understand. For the third time, I'm trying to say, listen, if you don't have a Bible, we can give you one. You need to pray. You need to grow spiritually. The pastor nudged me for the third time. He said, Dr. Wong, this girl doesn't speak a word of English. I'm like, wait a minute. How could that be? Little while ago, she was very clearly talking to me in English. Lori, you heard that. You were there. And she was telling you that too. Like, this girl doesn't speak a word of English. That doesn't make any sense. And the pastor nudged me, he said, Dr. Wong, this girl doesn't speak a word of English. Now, I don't know how you're going to take this theologically, but I have four degrees, including an earned PhD from the University of Nebraska-Lincoln. Go Big Red, all right? I'm telling you, it didn't make any sense. Then I, then I found, found out and I began to understand that the demons, the devil, and his evil powers and cohorts and all those demonic spirits, they understand, speak, articulate, vocalize, verbalize English quite fluently. And when that last demon was in her, was an English-speaking demon, when that demon left, the girl couldn't understand or speak or comprehend or articulate or vocalize in English. Now, I don't know if there are demons surrounding 1910 West 12th Street here in Crete, Nebraska. But if there are demons surrounding this building, you, I say this, listen to me and listen to me well. You foul spirits, you wicked spirits, you evil spirits, listen to me and listen to me well. You have no authority, you have no dominion, you have no power over the people sitting in the sanctuary because they are covered with the blood of Jesus and greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And if God be for us, who can be against us? Come on church, don't just sit there. Give the Lord a mighty praise. That's right. If God be for us, who can be against us? You see, it's not by might, it's not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. That's the authority of God. That's what the Holy Spirit is there to do. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit, began to speak in other tongues. The Spirit enabled them. What am I saying? The, uh, the superpowers of the world boast about their atomic power. The G20 countries boast about their economic power. Some countries boast about their demonic power. Some overpopulated countries like mine talk about their manpower. Some evil rulers have boasted about their military power. It's time Denise the church stood up and talked about the Holy Spirit power. Amen? Come on, don't just sit there. Give the Lord a mighty praise. In fact... If you want to clap, you go right ahead. You're not applauding me. I'll join you in praise to my God. Amen? I'm talking about his authority. I'm, talking, I'm not talking about gimmicks and theatrics and sensationalism. I'm talking about the Holy Spirit's enabling power. You shall receive power. After that, the Holy Spirit has come upon you. I believe this is a Pentecostal church. Am I right? I hope it is. 
You see, the Holy Spirit's power is more than just glossolalia or speaking in tongues. It's more than a euphoric experience. It's more than an ecstatic experience. It's more than an exhilarating experience. The Spirit of God empowers us to reach our world. And that includes Crete, Nebraska. That includes Lincoln. That includes Nebraska. You see, if speaking in tongues is the initial physical evidence, I want the ultimate evidence. What is the ultimate evidence? You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the world. Because that's what the Apostle Paul said, my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in the demonstration of the Spirit and of power. He said, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, 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 but a power. So my Christian brothers and Christian sisters, listen to me in Radiant Springs Church. Listen to me and listen to me well. I have good news for you. The same power that rose Jesus from the grave. The same power that commands the dead to wake lives in us, lives in us lives in us. The same power that moves mountains when he speaks. The same power that can calm a raging sea lives in us. Lives in us. Lives in us. So this morning, what am I saying? Let's depend and rely on the power of God. On the authority of God. Amen? Come on. All authority has been given unto us. Number two, we are to go to all nations. Say that with me. We are to go to and Jesus came and said, all authority is given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. I'll never forget as a teenager, 14 years old in Mark Bentain's church. I was poorer than a church mouse. I was so poor, the poor called me poor. I had holes in my shoes, holes in my pants. And in those days, if you had holes in your pants, it was not a fashion statement. All right. It meant you were poor. It was, you were so poor, you couldn't even patch your own pants. And till today, I have a hard time tucking my shirt. You can ask Laurie. Because the holes in my pants were so bad that if I bend down, people will think I'm mooning them. You know? So uh, it was bad. I had holes in my shoes, holes in my pants. My only major meal was the, the school lunch at Mark Buntain School. And I'll never forget in church, I said, Lord, here am I. Send me. Send me. Ha! Ah! Send me to the nations, Lord, here am I, send me. Send you. Ah, you don't have a green card, you don't have a passport, you're a son of a refugee from China and from Bhutan. You'd, you don't know where your next meal is going to come from. Send you. Ah. But you know what? Guess what? All nations, not ha, huh? it has happened. God has given us the privilege of speaking in most of these places, visiting and being to 137 countries in all seven continents, including Antarctica. And she's been to Antarctica to you can ask her. I've taken her there also. But now the Lord is leading us to a different place, an Asia-Pacific region. See Asia-Pacific? That's our call. From Myanmar, if you go like this, draw a line, it includes Mongolia, Korea, all these, Indonesia, all these countries here, Papua New Guinea, Australia, New Zealand, and all these oceanic islands and countries, including Philippines. We're going to live in the Philippines. I'm president-elect of Asia Pacific Theological Seminary. 
Nothing new because we've done the seminary work a long time. From there we'll be launching. It'll be a launching pad to do ministry all across Asia Pacific region. 40 countries where we'll be doing reaching the lost, planting churches, serving the poor and the needy, and educating and harvest, training the next generation. Lori just finished a class in Bangkok, Thailand. She has personally trained over 200 workers for the glory of God. Don't just sit there. Come on, give the Lord a mighty praise. Rejoice with me. 200 workers. Here's the best part. We, are, we cannot be in Bhutan, but those guys are preaching. Huh, Lori? What did Kish, Kenneth say the other day? It was amazing. He said, Dr. Wong, your training here has helped us, and now we can preach and speak with authority in our country. Isn't that amazing? And the motivational speeches we did, through the thank, thanks to the University of Nebraska, my principal cheering in right now as we speak, he's conducting motivational seminars all over Bhutan. I had the joy of giving him some money to uh, provide for lunch and refreshments for snacks for those people all over Asia Pacific. Why Asia Pacific? Well, go ahead, Chris, show them that video. Sound, please. There is a sound. Can you hear it? It searches, searches for those that will listen. Drifting, distant, desperate. It whispers in the ears of those that believe. It shouts in the streets, straining to be heard through the overwhelming noise. Can you hear us? The collective cry of fallen humanity devoid of a savior. Centuries have passed without hope. We live here, hidden in the far away places. Our lands, strange. Our culture, a mystery. Our hearts, empty. Our people cling to anything that resembles truth. But what we seek remains out of reach. Our brutal spirits on the edge of breaking. Our prayers unanswered. Our gods stay silent. We are the never reached. We are still waiting. We hear a sound. It echoes in our ears. It wakes us in our sleep. A voice in the wilderness. A message 2,000 years old, a final command, go. A simple but profound directive from a saving God. With our victory assured, we journey to the ends of the earth. We climb mountains, trekked through jungles, landed on forgotten islands, searching. Many have received, but far too many still remain. Too many haven't heard. Too many don't know. This unfinished task is our urgent kingdom mission. Chosen. Seen. Heard. Called. Can you hear them? Nations. Cities. Tribes. People. They are the never reached. They've waited long enough. There is a sound. Can you hear it? 
give the Lord Almighty praise. That's going to be our new field of area. We're going there in September for a pre quick preliminary visit, and we will be taking over the seminary in March of 2024. We need your church to support. We need your prayers and your finances desperately for the glory of God. But wait a minute, Dr. Wong, these are Buddhist nations. Most of these are Buddhist nations. Of course it is. Buddhism. You go to most restaurants, I believe we're going to go to a Chinese restaurant today. Huh? And most restaurants you go to see, you'll see a laughing Buddha statue with a big protruding stomach. And then you'll see a, usually a cat going. You know, and then on the top of that, there are teachings on peace and nirvana and karma and meditation and yoga and transmigration of souls. All those things are spreading like wildfire around the world and hitting mainstream society. But Dr. Wong Solomon, why are you focusing on all these Buddhist countries? I'm glad you asked because here's the answer. After 9-11, we've had major, major outreach to the Muslim world, rightly so, needed so. We've had many outreaches to the Hindu world, rightly so, needed so. How many outreaches have you heard to the Buddhist world? Little or none. And there are over 800 million Buddhists living in this area. Did you know that there are only 2,000 missionaries for every, one, for every Buddhist? One in 260,000. So God has called us here. But there's another deep-rooted answer. My grandfather was the first known convert in the land of Bhutan. First known Pentecostal. First known evangelist and preacher. First known pastor. When you have so many people got getting saved, somebody has to disciple them. And his churches were growing in leaps and bounds. So those priests got scared of him and they got intimidated with him and they poisoned him. And my grandfather, sir, ended up as the first known martyr in the nation of Bhutan. And there was my grandfather's body lying on the sofa for four days. My grandmother said, we're Christians now. We're not going to have a cremation according to Buddhist rites. We're going to have a Christian funeral. We're going to have a Christian burial. Easier said than done. How are you supposed to have a Christian funeral? How are you supposed to have a Christian burial? There are no funeral homes. There are no casket makers. There are no cemeteries. There still are none today. And there's the only known preacher lying dead for four days on the sofa. What do you do? And for four days, the people from the surrounding villages came to my grandmother's house and instead of offering her words of comfort and solace, they mocked at her. They made fun of her. They jeered at her. They, they said, this is what happens when you follow Jesus Christ. Good. Serves you right. Well, where's your Jesus now when you need him? Folks, in some parts of the world, people have paid a very heavy price for following Jesus. Aren't you glad you and I live in this great country that gives us freedom of worship and religion? And I don't know about you, but despite what those politicians say, despite what the economists say, despite what all these public people say, despite what the media says, something leaps up in my soul and I want to shout from the rooftops God bless the United States of America somebody thank Jesus for this great country come on and there was my grandfather's body lying dead for four days on the fourth night the missionaries heard about it they snuck across the border at night picked up my grandfather's body took it to a place called Baksadwar on the border of Indian Bhutan dug a little grave, made a makeshift coffin out of plywood and buried my grandfather there in the border of Indian Bhutan. And when my grandfather died many years ago, this is exactly what those priests said. 
the end of this Jesus stuff. They use words stronger than the word stuff. I can't say it from the pulpit. I can't say it from anywhere. I'll give you a hint. It starts with S-H and you know the rest. That's the end of this Christianity nonsense. Well, I've got good news for those people. Read my lips. You ain't seen nothing yet. Amen. With the help of the Holy Spirit, with the anointing of his power, and with partnership of churches like you, we're going to see that not just Bhutan, but we're going to see that the entire Asia-Pacific region is hit with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Come on, don't just sit there. Give the Lord a mighty praise. Amen. All authority, all nations. And thirdly, number three, we are to communicate all his teachings, not selective ones. Look what it says. Teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. To communicate all his teachings. Now I'm not going to be very abrasive here. But nowadays, very, the preachers today, very conveniently, Denise, they're ignoring certain portions of the Bible. What are they preaching? I mean, you turn on the television. You turn on the radio. What are they preaching? I'm okay. You're okay. Let's hold hands, sing Kumbaya, and we'll all go to heaven. No, you won't. What happened to the soul that sinneth, it shall die. What happened to the wages of sin is death. What happened to if the name was not found in the book of life will be cast into the lake of fire. So what do we do? We tiptoe through the tulips. We walk on eggshells. Oh, don't offend anybody. <gasps> you better be secret sensitive. Tell me, church, when was the last time you turned on the television and you heard a soul-searching message on a hell to avoid and a heaven to gain? When was the last time we were challenged to plunder hell and populate heaven? But nowadays, shh, don't talk about this, that, the other. I will never forget Arlo. I was preaching in a mega church in the West Coast. Oh my goodness. Huge church. Three morning services. 8, 9, 13, 11. I went there at 7, 15. And they took me to the green room. I don't know why they call it green because the, ch- the room was far from green. I mean, it was more like a restaurant. Food coming out of your ears. Not just nuts and donuts and Cold drinks, coffee, sandwiches, cakes. I mean, I said, all this for one person? What a waste. They said, oh, no, you just help yourself, whatever you want. And very soon, I'm sitting there. The, micro, the, the, the microphone people came, put that ear stuff and everything on my, my ears. And then and very soon, another person comes, the makeup people, and they start dabbling powder on my face and makeup. I'm like, wait, why are you doing this? I know I'm beautiful, okay? You don't have to overdo it. I know I'm beautiful. You don't have to make me even more beautiful. No, no, no Dr. Wong, you don't understand. The lights will, uh, they will glare and they, they'll make your face reflect and uh, not good. So I said, all right. And then suddenly two bodyguards walked in. I'm like, what on earth is this? And they handed me my uh, bulletin and the copy of the program. They said, you don't even have to come to the service. When, it's, when you're ready, we'll knock on your door. We'll be standing outside. We will escort you to the platform. We'll be in the two sides of the aisle. And we'll be watching. And then after that, we'll take you back to the green room. I'm like, what on earth? This is interesting. And then just before the service started, the associate pastor walks up to me, Arlo, and he goes, 
Pastor, you can talk about anything, Dr. Wong, but please don't talk about the blood. I said, you got to be kidding. Exactly. I said, what? Don't talk about the blood. I mean, you're talking about not just, not just AG. You're talking about the basic tenet of faith of all Christianity. All right? Jesus' blood was for the shedding of the remission of sins, right? Oh, don't talk about the blood. I'm like, why? Why? He says, if you talk about the blood, you, people here will think we are vampires. We are bloodsuckers. I'm like, oh my goodness. Instead of teaching the people the truth, they are throwing the baby with the bathwater. Now, a righteous indignation crept up all over me. I said, listen, you can talk about witches, ghosts, goblins, vampires, Count Dracula, zombies, and I can't talk about the blood of Jesus? For Solomon, that is the wrong thing to say. All right? The wrong thing to say. Guess what? I was not waiting for a return invitation. I walked up to that platform. You church. I said, church, listen to me and listen to me well. The blood that Jesus shed for me way back on Calvary. It's the blood that gives me strength from day to day. It will never re lose its power. Are you listening? It still reaches to the highest mountain. Are you listening? It still flows to the lowest valley. Oh, the blood that Jesus shed for me will never, 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 never Never lose its power. What happened, Lori? Five minute standing ovation. At, yeah, give the Lord a mighty praise. At the door, people were saying, thank you, Dr. Wong. That was so refreshing. What do we do? We throw the baby with the bathwater. Now you, for the older generation, will understand this. I'm going to ask you two rhetorical questions. And when I point to you, you shout out the answer, Okay. Listen up and listen up well, the older generations. The first question, what can wash away my sin? What can make me whole again? We attend Pentecostal churches and then we really hear messages on Pentecost. This glossolalia. And what happened? We whoosh, whoosh. We throw the baby with the bath water and everything like that. Pastor Bob Wine from Carney, her pastor, about 22, 23 years ago, he gave a message in tongues in one of our meetings. Fluent Hindi. He doesn't, he's never been to India. He doesn't know message. I know Hindi. I fell on my face because that message was, if you're united in, 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 in his power, there's nothing that you cannot do. Why go so far? About three months ago, I was in New York doing a revival service. Just three months ago, I was very depressed and very discouraged. Why? Because my previous company that I worked for these last two and a half years during the COVID-19 and my tax preparer, between them they made a mistake and I found out, Jim, I owed Uncle Sam 32,000 big ones. You're an attorney, sir. You know you don't mess with Texas. You don't mess with the IRS. You know that, correct, sir? They have almost draconian powers, don't they? They can take your, garner your wages, property, whatever. Oh, my goodness. But I was told I had to pay that in two installments. I almost called Jim. I said, Jim, come and help me, defend me. But I said, no, God, you will help me. Thou, God, seest me, you be my helper, Lord. 
and I was in this revival service, I was very discouraged. But when I'm discouraged, people cannot tell. When I'm tired, people can tell, right? But uh, when, I, when I'm discouraged, people cannot tell. So I was praying with people at the altars. I was laying hands on this one person on, on my left. It was quite a large church, quite a large sanctuary. And on the left, I was praying, and then I heard some familiar word, words on the other side. I said, oh my goodness, that sounds very familiar. So I finished praying, and I went running to the other side. And here on the right-hand side was a brother a Hispanic brother, his hands were raised like this, and he was intense with the Lord, and he's going, Washini Papa, Washini Papa, Washini Papa, you know what that is? That is a fluent Chinese Mandarin. If there's an, another language I know, it's Mandarin. You know what that is? I am your father. And I will take good care of you. I don't know if that message was for the church or for me or for both. But guess what? Abba Father there, the word Papa is a very loving term. Not just Dad, it's Papa. Abba Father, Romans chapter 8. Ladies and gentlemen, I have good news for you. God provided that money. It was miraculous. I never asked anybody. I didn't pay a hint to anybody. God provided the full thing. Jim, you don't have to come and defend me because God took care of me. Come on. Don't just sit there. I don't owe Uncle Sam anything. Come on. That's what I'm saying. All authority, all nations, all teaching. And lastly, my question to you is, why do people go to church? Guilt, obligation, habit, legalism, love for God, relationship with Christ, forced by spouse, forced by parents, curious, skeptics. Sometimes you mothers will relate to this. Why do people go to church? It's like this mother saying, hey son, get up. You have to go to church. Mom, does that sound familiar? Come on, son, get up. Go, you have to go to church. And the son goes, oh mom, why do I have to go to church? I don't want to go to church. Does that sound familiar to any of you? Mom says, yes, you have to go to church. Oh, mom, why do I have to go to church? Mom, give me three good reasons why I have to go to church. Mom says, okay. Now, reason number one, it is Sunday. It's the Lord's day. Reason number two, I am your mother and I'm telling you. Reason number three, you are the pastor. I'm glad Brent Bromgarter is not like that. I am so glad none of the pastors are like that. You know what I'm talking about. Why do you go to church? Let me tell you why I go to church. To be empowered by his presence all the time. Empowered, I am with you always to the ends of the earth. All the time. You see, in the Old Testament, they had the Ark of the Covenant. Well, where's the Ark of the Covenant today? Thanks to Steven Spielberg. And the Raiders of the Lost Ark, it's in some storage building and warehouse in Washington, D.C., right? Where it is located, whether Aksum, Ethiopia, or Washington, D.C., is not as important as what it symbolized. The Ark symbolized the presence of God. Where? In the tabernacle. Where? In the temple. Where? In our lives. The, at one time, the priest couldn't even stand because the glory just radiated and brought forth springs of living water. That's why the Psalms, Psalmist David said, where can I run from your presence? Where can I flee from your presence? If you're up in the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the depth of the sea, you're there. That's what I'm talking about. He is your Emmanuel. God with us. God 
through us. I would suggest every time Pastor Brent says, we have the church doors open on this day, I recommend we all assemble and seek the presence of God. During the COVID-19, I don't know about you, I was like a tiger in a cage. Huh, Laurie? I mean, we were putting shelter in place and we couldn't go anywhere, couldn't do anything. I mean, I was, it was driving me crazy. I cleaned my house five times a day almost. And Laurie's like, you've already cleaned it. I said, I want to do it again. Even though there's no Clorox bleach or whatever, I will wipe up the, every door handle, everything. I was like going crazy because we couldn't do anything. My father fled communist China during the intense persecution for 70 plus years. That communist party ruled my dad's nation with a vice-like iron grip. Lately they burned Bibles. Lately they destroyed churches and demolished buildings. Lately they've thrown pastors in jail. We were talking to one pastor from Beijing, from Shanghai, China, huh, Lord Lori, about, uh, about a month or so ago. You know, you watch church, you've, they've forgotten one thing. You can throw pastors in jail. You can demolish church buildings. You can burn Bibles. But you cannot stop the church of Jesus Christ. Because someone said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Somebody say amen. Amen. That's right. Give the Lord a mighty praise. That's right. Amen. Even in Bhutan where we lived and worked for eight years, there's not one. Not even one recognized church building. But who said the church is a building? Where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. Amen? Wow. Wait, my time is up. Wow, it's almost 11.22. Where did the time go? My, how many will give me just five minutes to close before I call back Matt and Denise? How many will just give me five minutes? Let me see your hand. Raise your hand. Raise, no, don't clap. Raise your hand. Leave it up there. Leave it up there. Five minutes. Five, ten, fifteen, twenty, twenty, one. Don't, 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 don't. No, no, don't put your hand down. I'm watching you. You're not going to give me five minutes, right? Okay, no. All right. But these two are. Two hours. Wow. What a church. Denise, what a church. Wow. What a church your son has. I asked them for five minutes. They give me two hours. What an incredible church. All right. How many will be with me for the next two hours? Let me see your hands. Because you can stay. Denise and I and Dave are going for steak and lobster and caviar. Just kidding. Who says we can't have fun in God's house? Amen. In the presence of the Lord, there's fullness of. In his right hand are pleasures forevermore. I close with this true story. My wife and I were president of the Bible College in Calcutta. I'll never forget. Students from all over the country came. Even the neighboring countries came. And many students came from Myanmar, Burma. They would cross hills and mountains, literally walk for days, swim rivers, lakes, and oh, huh, Laurie? Some of them would come with their feet swollen and everything. Oftentimes, they would come a little late. And a lot of them would attend our Bible, and the, uh, the academic dean and dean admissions would say, hey, they would bring them to my office. I'm like, what am I supposed to do? And then they would come, Dr. Wong, please give us admission. I'm like, you know what? It's too late. Classes have already begun. A week has passed. Oh, please don't say that. We feel the call of God for ministry. We want to come in here and study the word of God, hear the word of God. And then we want to go back to our country and tell people about Jesus. I'm like, you don't understand. Look, the classes are already full. And it's all full. There's no, 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 don't give us a table and chair. We'll sit on the floor. We want to hear the lectures. I'm like, you don't understand. The dorms are completely full. Oh, you don't have to give us a bed or pillow, sheets, nothing. We'll 
will just sleep on the floor. I mean, my heart would break, Anita, because we'd say, Martha, the harvest is plenteous and the laborers are few. And when the laborers come to us, we say, like the Christmas story, there's no room in the inn. So somehow we would make room and push them in. And one such girl was a student by the name of Miss Enghai Lun. I will never forget Enghai Lun as long as I live. One day after chapel, I, after I finished speaking, I closed in prayer and dismissed them. I could see her at the back. She's sitting and sobbing her head off. Matt, she was crying. She was sobbing. And I walked up to her and said, Enghai Lun, what's the matter? Why are you crying? She said, sir, I've just got this letter from home. And it says, my mother is dead. I said, oh, I'm so sorry. What happened? She says, I don't know. It takes two weeks for the letters to come. I said, oh, I'm so sorry. And I began to comfort her and I prayed with her. And then I said, Enghai Lun, do you need to go home for the for the funeral? She said, no, sir. It takes two weeks for the letters to come because by now the funeral must be over. Has to be. I said, I'm, are you sure if it's a matter of train fare, plane fare, bus fare or something, we'll, we'll help you. She said, no, sir, I'm 100% sure because next week is our final and the week after that is our graduation. And I don't want to miss my graduation and finals for anything. I said, all right. And I comforted her one last time, prayed with her and I left. I said, keep me apprised. Give me all the updates. That Wednesday, I'll never forget. I was sitting in my office. I heard a knock at the door. And it was Enghai Lun. She popped her head in. She said, sir, can I come in? I told my admin and secretary, the, my Bible college students are the only ones that does not need an appointment. They can come anytime if I'm free. If I'm inside or if I'm not on the phone, they can come. And sure enough, she knocked. Can I come in? I said, yes, yes, come on in. I said, sit down, Enghai Lun. And she said, I said, give me, what happened? She said, sir, I've just got another letter from home. I said, oh. She said, it tells me, you remember, I told you my mother died. I said, of course. How could I possibly forget that? She said, tells me how my mother died. I said, how did your mother die? How did your mother die? What happened? She said, sir, my mother was murdered. I said, what? Murdered? She said, and I know who the murderers are. I know who the perpetrators are. I said, what? You know your mother's murderers? I'm like, what? Are you, what are you going to do? Call your police, your FBI, your CIA, your NSA? What are you going to do? She said, no, sir. I'm just going to pray for them. I said, Engalun, what are you saying? You're just going to pray for your mother's murderers. What are you saying? She said, yes, sir. I'm just going to pray for them. I said, why? She said, you see, sir, you don't understand. It's like this. My mother was an evangelist. She would go from village to village all over Myanmar preaching the gospel. She particularly liked to go to this one village controlled by the local mafia, con controlled by all these wicked people and bad people, as you say. They used to do a lot of drug smuggling, bootlegging, booze, everything, every vicious thing you could think of in this one village. She said, my mother liked to go there. And the last time when she was there, the the head of that village, the head of that gangsters and mobsters came to her and said, Mrs. Loon, don't you ever come back to this village. Every time you come to this village, people get saved. And they stop buying our booze and our, our drugs and everything. Don't you ever come back. The next time you come, we will kill you. She said, my mother felt the sense of compulsion. She said, my mother just had to go back one last time. Just one last time. She went there and those people caught her. And in point blank range, in cold blood, they shot her. 
I was like heartbroken. It just devastated me. And that Sunday was our graduation. I'll never forget standing there on the platform with all the diplomas in my hand. Dr. Arun Sarkar was reading out the names. Hulda Bantain was standing next to me. And Arun Sarkar announced, our next recipient of the Bachelor of Theology degree is Miss Eng Hai Loon from Burma. And they all gave her a thunderous applause. She came forward and I handed her the diploma and I said, congratulations, Eng Hai Loon. So happy for you, so thrilled for you. So what's the next chapter in your life? What are you going to do with the rest of your life? And so I said, hold your thought. Come to this microphone here and tell these people what you're going to do with the rest of your life. And I'll never forget as long as I live. I'll never ever forget. She clutched that diploma in her hand. She put it near her heart. And with tears streaming down her cheeks, she said, sir, I am going to take my mother's place. Did you hear that, church? I am going to take my mother's place. Here's a 22-year-old girl putting her life on the line for the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I don't know what it does to you, church. It just breaks my heart. That's what this mission is all about. The fact is, I don't know if Engai Lun is alive or if she's dead. Well, I'll tell you something. If she's alive, she's in every village and city and town in Myanmar preaching the gospel. But if she's dead, Denise, then she's up there with the saints in glory, with the four and twenty elders, with the cherubims, with the seraphims, with people, people from every nation, every tribe, every tongue, every kindred, and they're all singing like you and on me. Worthy, a worthy, worthy, holy, holy, holy is the Lamb of God who was slain, who was, who is, and who is to come. Come on, church, give the Lord a mighty praise. Amen. Amen. Go ahead, put the last slide, please. Pastor takes up a missionary offering and sends it to Springfield. And you wonder, what happens to my missionary dollars after I invested in missions? Well, you're looking at somebody whose life was touched firsthand as a result of people giving to missions. And I've come back to this great church to say thank you. Because missions works. It touches lives. It pays rich dividends. It changes lives for time and for eternity. William Carey, the great missionary, once said, I will go to the deepest pit as long as I know that somebody back at home is holding the ropes. Lori and I will go to the deepest pits as long as we know that people back at home, people back here in Crete, Nebraska, are holding the ropes. I have a prayer card for you as you leave. Laurie will be there giving, you one, giving it to you. Take one. Put one in your refrigerator. Put one in your Bible. Every time you see this card, think of the wrong man, would you? Mrs. Wright, think of the wrong man and pray for us, would you? You know why? Laurie and Solomon will go to the deepest pits in Asia Pacific as long as we know there are people in Crete, Nebraska who are holding the ropes. Will you hold the ropes? With your prayers and with your finances, God bless you. Amen. Denise and Matt. Amen. God bless you. Give the Lord a mighty praise.